Good morning, everybody. Well, let's do the reading first off. Um, we're going to look at 2 Timothy chapter 2. We are in the middle of a series that David's been doing on being courageous, steadfast, and strong. And uh, we're on chapter 2, and uh, the second half of the chapter, starting at verse 14. If you've got a Bible, turn to it. I'm going to sort of be going through the chapter, so if you've got a Bible, uh, it'd be good to follow. Um, if you've got a phone, that's good. You can follow on your phone. Just don't get distracted into doing your messaging at the same time. You know the temptation. We all know it. So, verse 14, 2 Timothy 2. Keep reminding God's people of these things. Warn them before God before against quarreling about words. It's of no value and only ruins those who listen. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, who correctly handles the word of truth. Avoid godless chatter, because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Their teaching will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenius and Philetus, who have departed from the truth. They say that the resurrection has already taken place and they destroy the faith of some. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription, the Lord knows those that are his. Everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wooden clay. Some are for special purposes, and some for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to, for any good work. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Well, there we are. 2 Timothy 2. Um, 2 Timothy, as you may well know, was Paul's last letter. He was in prison, possibly with the prospect of death very quickly after he'd written it. We don't know how long afterwards it had happened. Where he had been faced with a trial and the lions and that would have been it. Or however he was killed. And at the end of the, passage, end of the letter, he, he writes this. He says, I fought the good fight, I finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. As we look at this passage, you may think, well, it seems to be mainly addressed to people that teach, it's mainly to church leaders, but actually there's a lot in it that we can apply to ourselves. But I wonder, before we actually get into the passage, what would your last letter be? If you were writing a spiritual letter or a word of encouragement to people, 
what actually would you put in it? What would your encouragements be? What would be the things that are top of your list? Well, you know, or if you're talking to someone who's younger than you or younger in the faith than you, what sort of three points would you put? What would be number one? Let's just see what Paul puts out. And he picks out words. He picks it out in 1 Timothy and he repeats it again in 2 Timothy. He picks out the importance of what comes out of our mouth. And that's a real challenge to us, isn't it? Because like it or not, words do come out of our mouth and sometimes those words aren't exactly what we want them to be. They can hurt, they can just pop out when we're not expecting it. And uh, they can give us problems. And they can upset other people. So in this he talks about the danger of the wrong words coming out. And he also talks about the importance of the word of truth. That's the other side of it. But it's easy to go down the road of, well, that's all right, that's all rules and regulations. I mustn't say this, I mustn't do that. Because at the bottom of Paul's whole philosophy was this grace. The understanding that it all comes from Jesus. The understanding that it's only with his spirit that we can actually change. So, we are commanded to be courageous, steadfast and strong, as in chapter 1. But it's also about the word of truth. And the assurance that Jesus would come through for him. Last week, we had Emma from Open Doors teaching, and uh, it's a great talk, and if you haven't listened to it online, I do recommend it. She talked about across the world and the difficulties that Christians are, uh, are suffering across the world. This week, and she talked about courage, and the courage to follow Jesus in a difficult situation, in a situation where you might be imprisoned, or you might not be able to go to school, or there might be a threat so that if we, were, we, were, we have freedom, but the, if we were meeting in some countries, we wouldn't be able to meet like this. For instance, in Iran, they can only meet in groups of 10 or 12 most of the time because that, they feel that's a safe group. So, so although there are a million Christians in Iran, most of them are in churches of 10 people because that keeps them under the radar of the authorities. So you can meet courage in that situation. But today we're talking about courage, I think, to be different. To go against the flow. Because you see, if we look at the passage today, a lot of it is to do with modern culture. Up in the prayer room, which is actually still there, if you want to go and have a look afterwards and you haven't had a look or you want to catch up on what's happened, do pop upstairs after the service. There's a, somebody had a picture of salmon going up the river. And you probably know the story of salmon is that they come up against the river in order to produce their babies in the river, away from the sea. And they have to go up the river, up the weirs, up uh, the difficulties of the river. And they can jump apparently up to 10 feet up the river. That's against the flow of the stream. And today, I think, as Christians... We may not be under threat from the police or being arrested, but we still have to go against the flow. That is what we're called to do, to go against the flow of the culture, of everything that's pushing us in the wrong direction. 
And I think if we, we don't accept that we're going against the flow, then we're being very naive. Because the Bible quite clearly teaches that the world's going in one direction and we're going in another. So we need courage to go against that flow. And he starts off really by saying we've got to have courage not to chatter. That's interesting, isn't it? Courage to rely on the truth, the true truth. So I'm going to run through. Verse 14, keep reminding God's people, so it's not just to the leaders, <coughs> of these things. Warn them before God against quarreling about words. It's of no value and only ruins those who listen. So I think we can underestimate the power and danger of words, spoken or written. And they're so important, aren't they? In James, another one who talks about words, which you probably know the verse, he says, The tongue is like fire, the world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Anyone who's in a relationship or marriage, you know how easy it is to light the fire. You can say something about something that's totally innocent. Well, at least you think it's innocent. And suddenly you have a problem. Well, I don't understand. I've not said anything. I mean, I didn't mean anything wrong. Sorry, it's all right, Liz. Uh, <laughs> but we do, don't we? We say something and it pops out. And we, it's there, and then you're away. And, uh, you know, it takes a little bit of time to unwind it all. So easy for words to drop out. And if we're realistic, that's how it is. Not only just in, in home relationships, but in church relationships as well. I don't you know there's a program on television which we, we, called Would I Lie to You? I don't know if anybody watches it or not. One of the few, few programs that probably are watchable. And in those situations, they, they produce a story and they say, you have to decide whether it's true or lie. And if I was on that program, I could, I've got a very good one for this one. And mine would be, once upon a time, I nearly burnt down the hospital. That's my story. And then they can ask me questions about it. And it's actually true. Because when we lived in Africa, it was really, really hot. And so in the garden, we built ourselves a, a straw matting shelter. Uh, we thought we might sleep in it overnight um, out of the house because it was much cooler. But unfortunately, just before we, and we thought James, who was three at the time, could play in it in the daytime because it was cooler. Unfortunately, we discovered just before we moved in that the uh, local family of uh, vipers had decided to make a nest underneath and there was a nest of snakes underneath the grass floor. So we killed them off, but we thought this is not a good idea to have snakes so close to the house. So what we'll do, and we will, we will, the back of the house went out onto the countryside, Savannah. What we'll do is we'll set fire to the field behind, because people burnt the fields all the time, that's what they did, the crops. But we thought if we burn this bit of ground, then that will drive the snakes away. Sounded a great idea at the time. And so, being me, I didn't ask. I mean, they do it, and they know what they're doing. But I thought, this can't be difficult. I mean, you've just got to set fire to a strip, haven't you? And so we set fire 
to this strip. But of course, being Nigeria, being the dry season, it really did catch fire. <laughs> and the hospital actually wasn't that far away. I think it would have taken out the church before it took out the hospital. So we could quite easily have burnt. You could see it, and suddenly it was away. And there was I trying to try and go all the way around, trying to, to, trying to get it under control. And we thankfully, with a, a, a lot of effort and uh, help, Lord, uh, we did get it under control. But it just shows how easily fire can spread, how easily that word can spread and cause us problems. So, do your best, verse 15, to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Now, this is addressed to Timothy as a church leader, but I think today it's also very applicable to us because we can watch anything. We can go online, we can hear anything, and then we recommend it to our friends. And we need to be aware that a lot of the stuff that we can pick up on YouTube or wherever is actually not based on the word of truth. So we need to be careful what we listen to. Be careful what we recommend. One of the frustrations when you get old is that you have to wear glasses. And I have to read the Bible from there rather than from here, because I don't want to keep taking my glasses on and off. But the, re the older I get, the more I realize how important this book is. And last week, uh, Emma was talking about B, who from North Korea, and she was in prison merely for having a Bible in her uh, house. That was all that she had. And so she was sent for labor camp for I don't know how many years. But we have Bibles, and yet we don't read them. We're still in January. Still time to read your Bible this year. Reading a reading plan. It amazes me that so many of us don't know what's in this book. It's, it's so encouraging, so much there for each one of us. And yet we don't know who correctly handles the word of truth. They didn't have the, old, the New Testament then. They just had the letters and the Old Testament. We need to know the word of truth. We need to know what's in this book. Verse 16. Avoid godless chatter, because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. And in 1 Timothy, he also writes, Timothy, guard what's been entrusted to your care. Turn away from godless chatter and the opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge. Again, it's interesting that we separate things into boxes, don't we? And we put words in one box and life in another. But here there's quite clearly a link between words and life. Matthew 12. Make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. Make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For the tree will be, tree will be recognized by its fruit. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of a good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have, a, will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. 
By your words you'll be acquitted, and by your words you'll be condemned. So we need to be careful of what we say. And then there's gossip. We can all gossip. We can all share things in, in concern for others which we don't need to share. And it's always striking, isn't it, that gossip is linked with the same group as murder in Romans 1. It can destroy a church. So there's that, that type of words, but there's also the other type. Verse 17. Their teaching will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenius and Philetus, who have departed from the truth. They say that the resurrection has already taken place, and they destroy the faith of some. Wrong teaching is like gangrene. I don't know whether <coughs> any of you ever smelt gangrene. I've only ever dealt with one case of it. But the point of it is that you're not only dealing with the person, but the smell gets into every part of you as well as you deal with it. It has a horrendous smell. And it's progressive. It doesn't stop. It gradually destroys the person. So their teaching will spread like angry. Progressive. And notice this too. It becomes, causes those that are involved to become more and more ungodly. It's addictive. Chatter is really dangerous. So we need to be careful what we listen to what we take on board, that we are basing what we talk about on the book. See, the right teaching gives power. And it always strikes me, as some of you know, I work for Open Doors, that the importance that the persecuted church give to the Bible. They're willing to whisk, risk their lives for a Bible, to have a Bible, to read a Bible, they're prepared to risk everything. And yet we take it so lightly. And if you're looking for power in the church today, and we all would like to see more power of the Spirit, it comes from those churches that are absolutely, totally reliant on the Bible. They're not exclusive. They're totally mixed together. Verse 19. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this instruction. The Lord knows those who are his, and everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. See, there's Paul, nevertheless, there is a solid foundation. So easy to get it drawn into the negative, but he knows what his life is based on. He knows where he's going. The Lord knows who are his. He knows each one of us. Absolutely. He knows if we're his or not. And if you're not his, then, then don't waste time. Be one of his. Come to him. Call on him. Ask for his help. The Lord knows who is his. Because then we can, we can face anything if we know that we are his. But also... Those who confess the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. So we have the solid foundation, the word of truth. We have the reassurance that he knows. 
I think there's another, just a quick sideline there. It's very easy for us to judge other people or where they're at on their Christian walk. And the reality is nobody knows. Only God knows who are his. And we can quite easily judge and chatter about other people. I was just thinking of one very simple example. You can look around the church and think, oh, they don't come to church anymore. Hmm, have a little chat about them. I wonder if they're all like, oh. But actually, you could just pick up the phone or the text and ask them how they're doing. They may have a crisis. There may be a reason why they're not here anymore. Might be fear, but it might be something completely different. They might have been ill over the last two years. For many of us, we wouldn't know. So there's a warning there not to judge, but to act positively. And then verse 19, everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes, some for common use. Those who cleanse themselves, and cleanse is the important bit here, from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared for any good work. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So much if you read the Timothy books is about choice. Uh, <clears throat> earlier on in, in chapter 2, we saw the, the choices about being an athlete or a farmer or a soldier, and they all make choices. If the farmer doesn't choose to plant and work hard on his field, he won't get the crop. If the athlete doesn't choose to train, he won't have any result. He won't win. So we have to make a choice when things come along that are tempting us. And let's face it, the world is full of temptation everywhere we look, especially when we're talking about phones and the internet. It's getting more and more. It's getting darker and darker out there. So much negativism, so much fear. So we need to run away from it. Going back to the, to the fire illustration, if your house is on fire, you run away from it. You grab your kids or whatever and run. In the same way here, we have to flee the evil desires. And then we have to pursue, we have to chase after righteousness, faith, love, and peace. You can't sit and stand still. Wouldn't it be nice if we could just be a Christian and stand still? It'd be much easier, wouldn't it? But we can't do that. If you're standing still, it's like going on one of these travelators at the airport. If you stand still and don't walk... No, that's not right. If you're going the wrong way... No, it doesn't work either. No, that doesn't work either. <laughs> anyway, you know what I mean. If you stand still when you should be going forward... <laughs> oh, that worked. I should have worked. Oh, well, never mind. <clears throat> I have to think about that more. If you stand still when you should be moving forward, you go backwards. I guess if you're going the opposite way, it would work, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, sorry. <laughs> so... You have to keep moving forwards because it's a principle. I do know this. This is right. It's a principle of the Christian life. If you do not move forwards, you will go backwards. You have to press forwards. So how open are we to fleeing? 
Are we ready to flee? Are we really ready to listen to the Holy Spirit and flee? How do we know when we're not willing to do that? Well, I think, and I'm coming to the end fairly soon, I think we can be defensive. I think there's areas in our life where we're defensive. We need to have a, hmm, think, why am I defensive about that? Why am I aware of that? And are we open? Are we open to the Holy Spirit to convict us of stuff? You know, there's so much, isn't there? So easy to get distracted. On the net, Instagram, everything that goes on. Not just the kids, the adults too. So easy. And yet that is not pursuing righteousness, faith, love and peace most of the time. So 23, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome but must be kind to everyone. Able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and they will come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Mm, We could spend a lot of time on this bit. Kindness. Kindness is the fruit of the Spirit. I think it's a very underrated fruit of the Spirit, to be honest. And I don't think we spend enough emphasis on it. It's not hard to be kind to other people. And even in a church, we can actually be unkind, if we're honest. We need to be kind. It should be a mark of our walk as a Christian to be kind people. Just to be nice to people, really. And note all here the, the order that there is. It's not, let me go back into the, actually read the verse. Able to teach, and opponents must be gently instructed, hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth. Now, note the order there. It doesn't say, when you know it, you can repent. It says, when you repent, then you know it. The order is very important. Because sometimes we think, well, if we get it all sorted out, if I understand this or I understand that, well, then I'll come to God. But it's not that order at all. Actually, the order is, help, I'm in a mess, I need to say sorry, I need to repent and change. Oh, then you understand. The order is really important. Another thing is that repentance is granted by God. Again, it's not me that's so successful, now it's, I'm going to repent. Because there's the danger of pride, even in repentance. No, repentance is granted by God. It's a gift. But why do we ignore the gift? Have you how under... We just don't grab how wonderful repentance is. The grace of God is amazing. You can say sorry and see it wiped away. It's a huge gift. It's an amazing gift. And yet, even as Christians, we don't really see what a wonderful thing it is. You see, it's why Jesus died for us, so that we could. And we all need repentance. As individuals, and let's face it, the church in this country is in a mess. We need to repent for the church. Our country is in a mess. We need to repent for the country. We need to be walking in repentance. That's what the Bible teaches us. 
Got a problem? Repent. It's in the book. It's right through the book. So, let's learn what it means to repent. And rejoice in it. It's not a punishment. Not a judgment. It's a gift from grace. So he's called us and saved us. Not because of anything we've done, but because of his own purpose of grace. 2 Timothy 1. To escape from a trap needs courage. We can easily be discouraged, but it's his purpose and grace that pulls us through. So then, be courageous, steadfast, and strong. Let's have courage to be different. Courage not to chatter. Courage to make the time to read the book. Courage to run away when we're heading into temptations. And how do we overcome the stuff that finds against us? Why do we not have courage? Well, the opposite of courage is fear, I guess. But perfect love casts out fear. As we look again to Jesus, as we look to his cross, as we look to the fact that he's coming again, then as Paul, we can have courage. We can courage to repent and courage to stay changed. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription. The Lord knows those who are his. One day we'll see Jesus. Maybe soon. Maybe he's coming soon. The world's changing so fast. When we want to see him, we want to be able to look into his eyes and know that we have run the race and look to him for our reward. Let's stand and pray, shall we? Oh Lord, where do we begin? We thank you for your truth. We thank you for your word. Above all, Lord, we thank you for your cross. We thank you for all that you've done for us all the prospect that we have. And Lord, we ask that you'd come by your Holy Spirit now. Just touch our hearts. And Lord, where there is areas that need your openness, need your softness, need the touch of your Spirit to help us to bring them to you and to change, to flee from the wrong thing and to pursue the right thing. Lord, we ask right now that you would come, Holy Spirit. And Lord, we just give you the words that come out of our mouths. And Lord, we're sorry for when they're not kind. We're sorry for when they don't reflect you. But Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your cross where we can find forgiveness. Oh, come, Jesus. Lord, as we have the courage to repent, we ask that you'd give us the courage to stand. continue to walk with you.
thank you, Jesus, you have won the battle. The victory is yours. Thank you for your cross. Thank you for seeing.